0: Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty. In today's show, I'm talking about the arrival of spring and connecting with our ancestors through the plants. Our herbal ally for the week is dandelion, and I'm going to review an herbal book that ties in with today's topics. The book is called Bridget's Healing ireland's celtic medicine traditions by gina mcgarry before we get started i want you to know that i'm not a doctor nor do i diagnose or treat people what i share is based on my own experience and what i have learned from my mentors ultimately i want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. It's the beginning of February here on the coast of Maine, and even though we just had an icy snowstorm, it truly is the beginning of spring. In the wheel of the year, we are halfway between winter solstice and spring equinox. Based on the sun calendar, or maybe the agriculture calendar, or you could even consider it the plant calendar, it is the beginning of spring. It's the start of the unfurling of life force. In Maine, like I said, it doesn't really feel like what one typically considers spring. In warmer climates than here, the evidence that it's the start of spring is much more apparent both in the weather and in the early plant emergence. I remember being pleasantly surprised when I saw dandelions blooming in February when I lived in Washington state for a short stint. But even here in the cold climate of Maine, the shift of spring has begun, though it's much more subtle. Farmers are starting their early seeds and planting their gardens tree sap is beginning to run and the tree buds are noticeably swelling. Both livestock and wild animals are having babies and milk is flowing to nourish them. These standard spring experiences, reactions are due to the increased time of sunlight as well as the quality not so much due to a temperature shift or a weather pattern. So at this time of year, the light takes on a brighter glow, and the days are obviously longer. It's subtle here in the Northeast, but it is the start of spring, and so if we can tune into the subtleties of the natural world, then we can connect with it that much better and we will know and be more aware that spring is actually stirring. And by the time we actually reach spring equinox and the plants have really begun to emerge here in Maine, at this point, we're really already in the middle of spring. You know, you can think of all the time that it takes for those plants to actually begin to wake up and to begin their stirring and unfurling under the ground before we can even see them. And that is when spring truly begins. You know, the more I get to know plants, the more I realize they mostly live in the soil. You know, the roots of these perennial plants are there alive year round, even if they may be slumbering. Many roots are, you know, much larger and more intricate than the parts that we see above ground. And they can go deep, deep, deep so that they're actually below the frost layers of the soil. And who really knows what's happening down there in the winter? I don't know if we even know, but surely there is still some interplay um, of the roots and their environment that they are in. So the part of the plant that we see mostly, the green parts and the flowers and the fruits, the green parts are like the solar panels of the plant, the energy producers, the sensors, um, and then the reproductive organs are the flowers and the fruit of the plant. And so those, you know, at least in the northern climates, they they have their day in the sun so to speak they have their time to reproduce and then you know they can't live like that year round but the brain and the life force and the forever body of the plant is really in the roots and resides in the soil and that's where the communication network of the plants are and the understanding and the processing and the nervous system network, if you want to say, and the storage of nutrients and and energy and life force um and i just I just think it's fascinating that their world is in this like deep, dark, nourishing place of this soil, and so in the Celtic wheel of the year, this transition into spring is called. Imbolc or Imbolg, and it's celebrated on the first and second days of February. Before the months were defined as they are now, it was likely that this time was celebrated definitely at the same time of the year and was based more on the position of the sun and the sunlight and how it hit, you know, certain physical calendars and timepieces that people positioned with rocks and stones and hillsides and it also was probably linked with the phases of the moon so even if you want to you know celebrate this transition into spring at this time of year and you miss it on the first or second day of February that's okay like it is it doesn't have to be at an exact day or time it can just be within this general span of time in bulk for me i've always has always been a draw to me because you know it's a time that the celtic goddess bridget is honored and it's a time that she is related to and having be- been given her name and that's how i've always and originally have connected with my ans- my irish ancestry is through my name being a. Uh, child of immigrants that came to America, or grandchild, like third or fourth generation at this point, I kind of feel like I've lost connection with my ancestors and my ancestry land, or maybe I never had it. And I, you know, I want that connection. And I've always, as you know, as long as I've been able to seek that connection and usually it was it started with seeking an understanding um, of my name and where that came from so this time of year is always a time that i feel very strongly that i want to connect with my ancient ancestors and learn about their earth-based pre-colonial traditions i am definitely most interested in connecting with my ancestors that date back you know, before the conquests and the colonization and the burning of the wise women in Ireland. And but the question is, is like, how, how can I can connect with that land of my ancestors and with the heritage that, you know, uh, my DNA and genetic coding uh, stems from? And is a part of even though I'm on the opposite side of a big wide ocean from that place well there are a few ways that I can do it and one is through the traditions relating to the wheel of the year Uh, because you know the sun and the moon have not changed in the in the past 500 years or so at 600 a thousand years the awakening of spring and the connections to the subtleties of the natural world have not changed and the traditions of that time are remembered and known and talked about and you know surely they have changed over time but it is a way that we can connect with our ancestors that have come long before and I like that idea of taking part in rituals that you know my ancestors at once one time also took part in and making my own rituals inspired by what I imagine theirs were like so that I can connect to them through that the rituals allow me in a sense to reach beyond time and space and link me with that ancestry. Another way, and my favorite way, that I can connect with my ancestors and heritage is through plants. And this is just really lovely in so many ways. And, you know, I feel like I can connect with the same plants that my ancestors did, even though I'm on a different continent on the other side of a large ocean. Because many of the common weeds that grow around me now are actually not native to North America and came from Eurasia that large landmass that consists of so many different countries and ethnicities but the plants here that are often considered weeds are plants that like to grow where people live which In other words, are disturbed areas, areas that are no longer in their wild, original state. They're areas that have been dug or altered by humans, um, dug into, harvested from, you know, whether it be a farm or a a place where we have built, a place that we have traveled through, where there's now roads, um, where forests have been cut down or other resources have been mined you know all of these places the first succession plants the plants that love to come in and uh, and heal heal the wounds of that maybe we have created um, and to break up that compacted soil and to you know dig deep into the sub layers of the soil and bring minerals and nutrients back up to the surface and replenish replenish the soil and and make way for more plants to come these weeds these are the human lovers they are the the plants that can also not only heal the land and help to nourish the land but they can also heal us and help to nourish us And a lot of them were plants that were introduced by colonizers, um, and immigrants that they brought with them food and medicine, their seeds, you know, they could bring very few things with them on these very small boats that traveled across the seas. And one of the main things, the very important things that these people decided to bring with them were seeds of the wild foods and wild medicines that they had co-evolved with their whole lives their whole history the seeds of these weeds also some were not were not intentionally brought but they came as hitchhikers you know the seeds clung to clothes or packages carried on the ships or in the bowels of birds and livestock One of the benefits with working with these common weeds that are so healthful in such a myriad of ways is that they tend to grow really abundantly, are really easy to access and also thereby form relationships with the living plants themselves. They are human friendly and they prefer to grow side by side with us and therefore have co-evolved with us throughout history. And many of them can be harvested from the wild, you know, without really decimating their populations. In fact, people all the time are pouring poisons on the earth in foiled attempts of decimating the populations of these tenacious yet very helpful plants. So I think that even if we are harvesting heavily these common weeds you know, people will be grateful, even if we do slightly decimate the populations. Um, And at least we aren't pouring poison on the earth to to do so. So as I ally, ally myself with the plants that my ancestors were allied with, I ally myself with my ancestors. As I ingest the plants that my ancestors ingested... I become both one with the plants and one with my ancestors. I've shared a common experience with my ancestors as I work with these plants, as I tend to them, harvest them, prepare them, and ingest them. These are all practices that surely my ancestors from my bloodline have done historically for hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of years as far back as we know. So as I connect with these plants that have similar origins to myself, I'm also connecting with my current ecosystem and I'm deepening my sense of place on the land that I currently live on as well as the land of my ancestors, which I think is... Is beautiful and very important because when we form relationships with the plants that grow around us it really helps us to deepen an understanding both in our mind in our spirit and even in our own chemistry An understanding of the place that we are in and a interplay a direct interplay with our immediate ecosystem that we are a part of and that we share with these common weeds that grow right outside our door so as i heal my wounds and ills with these common weeds i can know that my ancestors also did the same the plants have not changed in all of that time a dandelion is still a dandelion from a thousand years ago to today i mean there might be you know, based on even the terroir for say, per se, if we were talking about wine, like from one ridge line to another, it's there, the chemistry of dandelion is going to be different. But the ultimate reality of dandelion and the benefits that it brings has, has not changed. And um, from my ancestors time to today. And that's why it's such a wonderful conduit between the two times. In other words, working with the plants that my ancestors worked with to heal their ills and to build health will be more beneficial to me than working with plants from other regions of the world, because they are plants that my bloodline has co-evolved with, and so they likely will Will click with my DNA and genetic makeup better than plants that I have no relations to, or that my ancestors just didn't have relations to, that grew in very different regions of the world. And this, I think, is a really important aspect of being in right relationship with the plants, which is a theme that we're. That we started last week, and we will carry through for a couple more weeks. I want to talk more about how we build right relationships with the plants. So as I connect with my ancestry during this turning of the wheel, and the changing of the seasons, and the traditions of Imbolc, I'm also thinking about what plants my ancestors were connecting with at this time, as well, or that had special symbolism to them at this time, or was a part of their traditional celebrations for in bulk. And one of those plants is dandelion. And it's a plant that is native and abundant in Ireland. And it also lives in my own backyard. And it is a plant that is. Um, Often considered and related to the goddess Brigid and the time of spring. So, in Gaelic, Dandelion has a couple names that relate it directly with Brigid. Um, one Gaelic name, and pardon my pronunciation, is Luce Breed, which means Brigid's plant, where the word lus is um, an Irish equivalent. Or a Gaelic equivalent to the English word "wart," which basically means plant. So, where we have mother wort or St. John's wort, um, that basically just means, you know, St. John's wort would be the plant of St. John. So, loose breed is the plant of Bridget or Bridget's plant. And another Gaelic word for dandelion is birnen breed. Again, pardon my pronunciation, but um, that means indented one of Brigid, which I assume relates to the shape of the leaf. And another name that I've heard it related to is uh, Flame of Brigid, which no doubt is due to its sunlike golden flowers that have the ability to light up the fields as if they're on fire um, when they're in bloom in the spring and the hills. And, you know, Brigid is a goddess of fire and of light and of the sun returning. So I just think that's really beautiful. And it just gives me that much more reason to dive deep in relating and connecting with dandelion. And I hope that maybe you are inspired to do the same. So now I would like to get into our plant ally of the week, which is dandelion. And as I was saying, it's native to Eurasia, which as we know, that's a very large uh, land mass. And it basically consists of Europe and Asia. And so as we know, dandelion spreads really readily by seed in on the wind. So it makes sense that it could cover a huge land mass like that. And so there's actually many different ancestries that have worked with this plant. So Um, the, it could be, it's not only, you know, if you have Irish heritage that this plant could connect you with your ancestors, it could be a lot of different, uh, ancestries. It grows abundantly, obviously from seed and root pieces, and it's a wonderful human herb. It loves humans. It loves to live in our lawns and in our sidewalks and in all of our compacted and, really um damaged land that we create it it loves it and it loves to bring it back to a healthful state and i think that says a lot as well about how dandelion you know loves us and relates to us and helps to bring us humans back to a healthful state as well and it's rather ironic that we would prefer to kill this plant than harvest it um, and consume it for its healthful gifts as an American culture where we're constantly spreading Roundup on our driveways and our yards to, to get rid of it because for whatever reason, it breaks up the green lawn for that one month that it's blooming. Um, I think that there's a whole nother pathology behind it. I'm not really sure what it is, but, um, and I don't know that I would, I do know what it is, but I have lots of ideas, but that is for another, another day. Um, it's a classic spring green that people eat in the spring, the green leaves and a root food as well. And a roasted root tea uh, that is a coffee substitute. It has this lovely bitter flavor and bitter herbs in the spring. Help to get our digestion awake and moving again after a winter of eating, you know, heavy, starchy, preserved foods and root crops and squashes and potatoes that were able to survive in root cellars throughout winters. And now it's, you know, in the spring, the dandelion greens are there, as well as nettle and violet and other greens that is it is the goddess send. And I think that's one reason why it was tied to the goddess Bridget in Ireland, because, you know, she would come with her green cloak and, and cover the, cover the land again with this greening force, otherwise known as Vriditas, even though I don't think that was the Celtic term for it, but that is definitely an essence of the goddess. Um, and why I think Dandelion is connected with her. Um, Also very supportive of liver and kidney functions, as well as improving our metabolic pathways as we come into the spring and come out of a slower processing time of winter. So dandelion is what's known as an alterative, which basically means it alters our body to a better state of health. It's a pretty vague term. In, in heroic traditions, it's also considered a blood cleanser, quote-unquote, but I don't necessarily like that term because I don't like to think of our blood as clean or dirty. I mean, I, th- I think our blood is doing its job, and what dandelion does is it helps our organs, so that especially our organs of m- metabolism and elimination to function better so that we don't get, you know, so everything's functioning better and we don't have buildup of metabolites or hormones that we're no longer using. We're able to process them and um, get them out of our system if we uh, no longer have a need for them. So it's a digestive support through its bitter nature. It supports liver health and functions. It supports kidney health and functions and as well as supports the health of our blood. Dandelion's uh, excellent anti-inflammatory. It's antioxidant, so it helps to um, prevent and repair oxidative damage, which is also known as aging. (laughs) Um, And it's fascinatingly, it supports apoptosis of cancer cells, and that's just a really fun word to say that means it helps our body to self-destruct cells that have mutated and are no longer serving us. Um, They could be viral cells or they could be cancer cells, but there have been specific studies on dandelion and specific types of cancer, including melanoma, and how it does have the ability for supporting our body to kill those cells, but not healthy cells. It has some anti-diabetic properties. Again, that ties to its bitter nature and its ability to help us to digest um, optimally. And it's very rich in minerals, which is great for a spring food. Um, and there's lots of ways that you can ingest dandelion. Oh, so many ways. Some classic ways, as I was saying earlier, is like a roasted dandelion root tea so you basically would like simmer some roasted roots you'd roast the roots in an oven on a low temperature for a long time so that they're not burnt or too crispy but they have a a nice toasty smell to them and that's when you know that they're good to go um that also that also makes me think another benefit of the dandelion is it has this inulin in it, which is a a starch that feeds the flora in our gut, the bacteria in our gut, and keeps them happy and healthy. Although I've heard that once you roast the roots, it denatures the inulin. So if you are wanting the inulin aspect or the support of the microflora, the microbiome of our gut um, roasted root would not be the way to go uh, fresh root would be better or um, and even uh, dried root but that's not roasted that's just air dried simmered in water could be beneficial uh, dandelion root is excellent in tinctures that are used as bitters so for like a bitter digestive. You would just, um, infuse some dandelion root into some hundred proof vodka and let it sit for at least six weeks and then strain it out and it's good to go. Um, and then dandelion infused vinegar. You can infuse any part of the dandelion root leaf. Um, the flower buds are really fun to infuse in the vinegar. They make kind of like a caper substitute, which is really fun. To put on salads or garnishes on meals or in pasta sauces yeah so and that just makes like a really mineral rich vinegar that you can then use in salad dressings um, marinades um, you could use that as a bitter vinegar to help get your digestion going before a meal and also just as sauteed greens so the spring and the fall greens tend to be less bitter and then in the summertime just like lettuce you know it just gets more and more bitter but the plant is producing a lot more sugars in the spring and the fall so the leaves tend to be sweeter generally people before they saute the greens they'll parboil them twice so they'll they'll put them in water bring it up to a boil then strain it out. They don't let it boil for a long time. So by parboiling it, you break up that you extract the bitter qualities from the dandelion and then you pour it out with the water, but you aren't cooking it long enough that you're extracting the minerals out because that takes a lot longer to come out from the greens. So you do that a couple times, the parboil, strain, parboil, strain and to get the bitter taste out and then you can saute your greens in butter and olive oil and onions and however else you love to saute your greens and saute them for a while put a little bit of water in there just to help to you know extract the minerals you know cook them for 30 minutes to an hour to two hours and so those are some really fun ways to work with dandelion greens and dandelion in general. And dandelion is is an herb that is one of the most generous herbs because you can work with all parts of the plant and you can harvest them at any time during the season. You know, a lot of times if you're harvesting a root of a perennial plant, you only want to do it in the spring and fall and you know, that's a good general rule for dandelion as well. But if you really need some dandelion root, and it's the middle of the summer, and you have some or you're weeding some out of a garden anyway, it still is good, healthful medicine, unlike a lot of plants where the root kind of withers, when the rest of the plant is in its full glory. But dandelion, the root um, even though some of the chemistry might change a bit or it might be more or less bitter at different times of the year probably more bitter in the height of the summer actually and then it gets sweeter in the spring and the fall just like the greens um, but yes it can they can be harvested throughout throughout the growing season I also am excited about this new segment of the podcast that I want to call books bottles and baskets because what are herbalists Three other favorite things besides the plants themselves, they are books, bottles, and baskets. And I am going to be reviewing uh, books, bottles, and baskets that I like. And today I'm going to start with a book um, that ties in really well with what we've been talking about. And the book is called Brigid's Healing, Ireland's Celtic Medicine Traditions. And the author is Gina McCary, and Gina McCary is a director of the acclaimed Brigid's Academy of Healing in Westmeath, Ireland. Her synthesis of traditional Irish healing and her modern approach to holistic health has seen her reputation spar- spread far beyond her native land. And she says this book is the result of her 21 years of teaching experience. She is a proud inheritor of a rich tradition of earth-honoring, life-enriching, healing methods widely practiced by our Celtic ancestors. And I wanted to read a little passage that she has in the introduction of this book that I just thought really rang true for me. She says, We of European descent, living on other continents, often feel we have to borrow from our nature religions and healing traditions, from other nature religions and healing traditions, in order to deepen our spirituality beyond Judeo-Christian parameters. In fact, we are the inheritors of ancient rituals, symbols, mythologies, and healing knowledge, a diverse, earth-loving, life-enriching, magico-spiritual system, tens of thousands of years old, oppressed and discriminated against for 2,000 years, and now beginning to enjoy a blossoming renaissance. This heritage includes rituals and ceremonies to mark, empower, and celebrate the cycles and seasons of earthly life. Our ancestors used plants for healing, beat drums and chanted incantations, and danced to commune with spirit, knew how to live ecologically and harmoniously with nature, cherished family and community, and lived their lives in accordance with the laws and rhythms of nature. They knew how to communicate with animals, plants, and stones to determine their healing gifts. They considered themselves to be the beloved children of the Divine Mother-Father, with all the creatures of nature their brothers and sisters. Their magic, their wisdom, their experiences are encoded within the cells of our bodies in the eternally spiraling DNA memory coursing through our veins. We have only to listen, to remember, to re-root ourselves in our own proud history, thereby creating a strong foundation from which we can build a brighter future And contribute to the circle of healing I just think that is so beautiful and really rings true with what I've been feeling at this turn and thinking about at the turn of the season now at the in this book you know she talks about um, different remedies for different um, issues with the body she has a myriad of herbal lore and, um, ways of viewing health in the body. And then at the back of the book, she has a materia medica, which is basically, um, a description of, of herbs and how they are used medicinally. And so I wanted to read a little bit about what she has to say about dandelion And she she has a lot to say about dandelion, but this is under the metaphysical aspect of dandelion, a plant of fire and the sun. And she says, another of Bridget's favorite plants, considered by the Celts to be sacred to herself and to Lug, the sun god, and Grain, the sun goddess. Dandelion is my personal totem ally and the plant I love the most. Purpose imported to America by the Mayflower Voyagers, dandelion is one of our best healing and nutritive allies. Dandelion will not be vanquished, even though billions of dollars are spent every year trying, literally growing through concrete to express itself, adapting to whatever conditions it finds itself in, bestowing the same strength, determination, and adaptability upon us. Use the tea or infused oil in rituals. Dandelion empowers the solar plexus, the will to be and confident self-expression. She teaches the balance of true humbleness and true confidence. Dry and place some root or leaf in amulet bags or add the fresh flower to tea to your bath to strengthen these powers. Grow at the northwest corner of the house favorable winds dandelion is one of the weeds that actually helps to heal the soil by transporting minerals up through the layers it adapts itself to grow lower than the mower blade and some people will insist the plants don't have consciousness it is so ironic that the eradication of the dandelion is a billion dollar business in this country so encourage your friends to not spray the dandelions but to let them grow for their beauty and their medicine. And I also would like to encourage you to do the same. Let's not wage war on the tenacious dandelion but let's invite her into our homes, into our lives, into our bodies and relate with this plant and receive the gifts of health and so much more that she has to offer and that is all i have to offer you this week so until next week be well and have fun with herbs